Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. Today in the studio, we have Father James Morgan with us. He is going to be here to talk about some experiences that he had meeting uh, St. John Paul II uh, several times in their Really funny, interesting stories. And of course, Father Morgan always has a great way of telling a story. So he will be here to talk about that uh, because we will have just passed the feast day of John Paul II. So first, we have joining us in the studio, as always, Dr. Chris Bergwald for some, I was going to try to sing it, but I don't know if I should, Biblical Bites with Dr. B. We'll we'll take (laughs) the spoken word. You can do spoken word. (laughs) Okay. I'm really looking for, I, I love JP too. I especially love him yes. as a writer, but we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> and and if you if you can make sure you watch the video of the interview with Father Morgan oh. because he does a little jig. Oh, and the Irishman yes, does a little yes, jig. Yes, All right, all right. He does. So uh, Sunday, the twenty fourth of October, the year of our Lord twenty twenty one, is what year in ordinary time, Renee Kranz? I. What day you what mean year? in ordinary what time? Sun. What? 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 Yes. It's year B. Yes. But it's uh, <laughs> the day. I think is the thirtieth. You Sunday? are correct, man. Okay. You, uh, this is where I need the ding, 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 ding. And with ding, any I, luck, I, today I will be sitting at Lambeau Field with any luck at all. The apocalypse is upon <laughs> us, but that's a few weeks down the road. So I want to dive in and focus. I love today's gospel reading, so I'm going to give it one of those. Stereotypical Chris Bergwald quick reads. So okay. if you're watching playing this back, you might want to need to slow it down. You might need to grab your YouTube hymnal your at home. I don't know. <laughs> As Jesus was leaving, this is Mark 10, 46 through 52. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way, your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. So I went through it much more quickly than I would like to because I would have given it like some good like to say that was slow some, for, for some gusto some some dramatic pauses and some yes gusto but Thanks, I think Bill. Bill would agree that was slow for Bergwald that was slow well, yeah. I, I was trying like to be I understood clear and each enunciate. of the words I know I know <laughs> so I I, I I don't want to go we're going to touch a number of things. Um, but I'm not going to go big and dead because I want to make sure I get enough time on the things that really strike me. But before so when I read it, Renee, did anything pop? jump out at you. Well, honestly, while you were reading it, I was trying to remember if I, if they have done that scene on the chosen yet, that's what I was oh, trying to remember, but not. they have not. They have not. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing else. Well, to me, that. always the one that jumps out at me is, um, that he, uh, his faith has saved him. Yeah. Why does that strike you out of curiosity? Because the, this man what? doesn't know who Jesus is really. Mm. I mean, he does and he doesn't. Right. It's He's as early him. on. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth being a crowd say and say Jesus some David had pity on me. And that's significant, but yeah, mm-hmm. obviously he's obviously not a follower of Jesus because right. he's right. A, a, a blind beggar. So a couple things uh that really uh, dovetailing with what you said strike me. So first of all, um Jesus says call him and they called they called the blind man saying to him, Take courage, get up, Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. 
but he's still blind. So someone must have helped him or something. I, it, Mark tells us he threw aside his cloak. So, so Bart, blind Bart, he's called. Bartimaeus <laughs> is his name. You've never heard the blind Bart. No. So Bart jumps up, throws his cloak. He can't see. He throws his cloak aside and, and he, he sprang he, up and came to Jesus. Doesn't say anybody helped him. So just he, his, And a blind man usually gonna, isn't going to spring up either. He's right, going to be right. like, okay, where is? <laughs> so he in his excitement or whatever, he's just willing. He's going to look like an idiot probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody helped him, but we're not told that. He came to Jesus. Somehow he got from where he was alongside the road, didn't care what he looked like, didn't but he fumbles or whatever, he came to Jesus. That's one of the, I mean, and somebody point, until somebody pointed out to me a few mm-hmm. years ago, oh yeah. yeah. Like he, he doesn't care what people think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. Um, and then Jesus, so he comes to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, what do you want me to do for you? Okay. Really, Jesus? Like, is this a trick? Bart's He's like, blind. Uh, Duh. The Greek says, Bart said to him, Duh. No. <laughs> wait, wait, you, why does Jesus say to him what seems like a, well, Lord, like, obviously he wants you to heal him, but Jesus wants Bart to ask. To ask, yeah. To say it out loud. And he does the same thing with you and me. Mm-hmm. We assume, well, we know, well, he's omniscient. He knows, <laughs> yeah. but he wants a relationship with us. And so he wants us to say it. Yeah. I've heard that in a homily. It must've been last year. Cause obviously right. we haven't done this one yet. Yep. Yep. And just the last little thing. Um, I'm glad I started with those two things. He, he, Bart calls him Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Son of David. He already knows if he's not a follower. He knows that Jesus is the Messiah and he's come to bring salvation. Yeah. That's always a dead giveaway when it's son of David. Amen. Yep. Thanks Dr. B. You bet. Joining me in studio today is my favorite priest, <laughs> Father just James Morgan. I, I'm You're not just, just saying that. that. I'm not just saying that at all. He's back um, again. He's yes. back again. <laughs> Father Morgan is currently the rector at the um, Cathedral of St. Joseph. Uh, he was my priest when I was at Holy Spirit right. when we first moved here. Exactly. So, um, yes. yeah, I, you are my favorite priest, and I that does not mean that lots of other priests aren't also my second favorite priest. Okay, that's good. Because <laughs> you might be getting some calls about I that might one. Be. Hey, I thought I was your favorite priest. I thought it was Father, me. Father Simple might say that. Yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, if he hears this, you're going to hear from him. I know, I know. And that's okay. That's, that means I get to talk to him. Exactly, so. exactly. <laughs> well, welcome. Thanks for coming in today. Oh, you're welcome. So Great we to are going to talk about um, St. John Paul II mm. because... When this airs, it will be, uh, we will have just passed his feast day, which is October 22nd. Correct. Right? Yes. Yes. And the anniversary then of his elevation to the pontificate. Yes. Yes. I believe it's October 21st or I think it's 21st or 22nd. Yeah. Because his actual ordination is the 22nd. And I think it was the day before when he was elected. Exactly. I think if I read it right. Yeah. And this would be what, 43 years, I think. 2018, I think, was the 40th. I'm really bad at math. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be 43. Yeah. Year 43. And him. this is a little unusual that his feast day is not on the day of his death. Why did they do that? Do you know? Yeah. It, I mean, I think it's it, it's always been tradition that feast days have been named on the death anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, on the death date of the of the particular saint. So, right. and, and that's because. 
you know, God willing, that's the entrance into heaven. Right. right? So that's the best sense. day of their new life. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we all live this life for. Right. Is to be able right. to do that. It's all preparation. Yeah. For the next. So uh, Father Morgan has had some personal experience with JP2. Yes. So we wanted to have you come in and tell us about some of that and just talk about him as as Pope and so on yeah. in his life a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, know, the first time I met, um, and I'm just going to say JP2 just for the yeah. sake of being concise. We don't want to suck up all of our 20 minutes saying exactly. the whole name, <laughs> just right? Go through the whole long name. <laughs> um, I first met JP2 um, in 1998. It was the Feast of St. Joseph. And um, I was chosen along with several other seminarians from the North American College where I was attending seminary in mm-hmm. Rome to um, serve mass for the oh, ordination wow. of three bishops. Mm-hmm. One of them was Bishop Harvey from uh, Milwaukee, okay. uh, who's now, a, now Cardinal Harvey, um, an American. That's mm-hmm. why they asked us to serve the mass. Sure. And also was Jivitz, uh, now Cardinal Jivitz, who was uh, JP2's uh, personal chaplain. Oh, okay, okay. So in Poland, came with him from, his secretary came with him from, from Poland. Sure. Um, so we served that mass and all I had to do was carry a, cal- uh, a candle, you know, a huge uh-huh. candelabra, huge candelabra. All um, you had to do, I bet it was heavy. <laughs> it was heavy. And I, you know, I'm sure there were like 10 or 12 of us. I sure. can't remember how many servers there were, mm-hmm. but um, it was quite the honor. I remember oh, I that. Um, Where was the mass held? In St. Peter's Basilica. Okay. okay. And we vested, I'll never forget this. And my best friend from the Diocese of Fall River, um, he was chosen to hold the microphone. So he was always oh, kneeling man. in front of JP2 right holding the microphone. And so he got the vest in this little sanctuary. We, we were allowed in the area where the Pieta is. We were oh. like, we were like, we, you know, like our, the original our hands one. up on the, on the feet of, of the Blessed Virgin oh, Mary and goodness. getting our pictures taken right there, touching the marble that Michelangelo right. carved into this right. beautiful statue. Oh, so man. We, we did the mess, and then at the end, they had this had this, they had this cordoned off with the huge curtains. We came in, and then we all got to line up, and we get we got to meet the Pope. Mm-hmm. So standing there, you know, everybody's going up one at a time, and I get incredibly emotional because my 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 first thoughts are, who am I? Right? Who am I? A, a, a small town boy from Ipswich, South Dakota, who got out of South Dakota University with no job, working construction. <laughs> And I'm standing here and other jobs, I'm not even going to mention. Right. That are, uh, that story is for another certainly, day. Certainly brought humility, if <laughs> right. not humiliation. Right. Um, and, um, and I got to go up and uh, kiss the papal ring and say, God bless you, your holiness. Mm-hmm. And he said, God bless you. And mm-hmm. it was incredibly emotional. Second time I met him was in 1999 at Bishop Archbishop Carlson, then Bishop Carlson's ad limina visit. Oh, sure. Uh, that happens Rome. not every year. It's no, what is like every, every five years. Okay, every five years. I wanted to say 10, but I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember who was there then. It might have been Father David Stevens. I know Father Scott um, Trainer was there, Father Jim Mason. Okay. There's a picture of us all standing in line with these big smiles. And of course, we're in shock. We're invited in after the, the, after the, the, the meeting is over with. And there's Bishop Carlson and Pope John Paul II leaning up by his desk. And we're just, we get to stand like uh, from here to this, this monitor away. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a monitor. I think it is. It's TV. Yeah. TV. Yeah. Same so thing. The backdrop, <laughs> folks. It's, it's the backdrop. So, um, and, and uh, um, he is talking to us, but we're in such a state of shock. Nobody can speak. <laughs> so he's asking us questions and nobody's saying anything. So he's handing out rosaries, blessed by him. Mm-hmm. And he gets to me. And he says, um, and, and, and he says, and where do you go? What pontifical university do you attend? I grab my rosary and I look him right in the eye and I say, your holiness, I go to the Angelicum, your alma mater. That's where he said it when he was in Rome. Right. The, the uh, um, JP2. And he stands up 
And he looks at me, he gets this big smile on his face, and he goes, <laughs> back and forth, his hands in the air. And we get the giggles, and then we finally are whisked out, and we're laughing a little bit, and we ask Bishop Carlson, what did he, what, what was going on? He said, he was doing a jig for you. He was so happy that he was d- dancing for you. And I'll never forget it. Father Scott Trainer, then just Scott Trainer, seminarian, said, uh, leave it to Morgan to make the Pope dance. <laughs> so it's exactly so, like I got Father that, Scott. I got that notoriety. I made, I, no, okay. I made JP do a dance. Yes, and if you aren't watching the video, you have to see. Watch, come watch the video and see what Father Morgan just did when he was <laughs> imitating the jig. It was <laughs> great. <laughs> um, and then I met him a couple of times after that, but I think those were, uh, oh, I, in 1999, January 1st, nobody was coming to Rome because they're waiting for the millennium. Oh, sure. And I was on vacation. Um we had done a midnight mass and then got on a train and went to the Dolmites, uh, a few of us. And we were staying at a Jesuit house and it was like midnight while we were watching some movie and this elderly Jesuit came in and said, is there a JP Morgan here? And I said, yeah, that's me. And I mean, the, you know, the fact that you get a phone call up in that area, um, um oh, sure. it's just been hard to even imagine. So, but I went to the phone and here it was, um, our rector, Monsignor Timothy Dolan, now mm-hmm. Cardinal Dolan right. in New York City. Saying, JP, your name got run out to read the first, the second reading at New Year's Day Mass. Get your, get down, get on a train and get back here. <laughs> but to get on a train and go back and um, I got to read the second reading. Wow. Um, at uh, the Feast of the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. And got to sit right on the, very close in the, on the uh, predella. And um, the first reading was in French by mm-hmm. a, a, a French woman. And then I walked over and had to wear a suit and tie because you couldn't be a seminarian and read. They couldn't find any lay people, I guess, to speak oh. English. So I mean, they went to the seminaries that spoke English and pulled names out and, and my name got drawn. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when I walked around the sanctuary area, the confessio, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to look Pope John Paul II right in the eyes again and I'm just going to, can't wait. I'm going to do a very profound bow. And I walked around and walked around and I looked, I looked right up at him and his head was down and his eyes were closed. <laughs> he was taking a little nap. And I bowed and I went, oh, gosh, only me. That only happened to me. And went up and did my second reading in English and um, got to, uh, at the end, I got this uh, uh, chant, uh, the ending, you know, the word of the Lord, mm-hmm. Domini, in St. Peter's Basilica with 15,000 people. I'll never forget that as wow. long as I live. Yeah. You've had some good experiences I did. with him. Yep. I wonder if he started to recognize you after a while. <laughs> I was like, I've seen this guy before. <laughs> you know, um, and you knew when you looked him in the face, when your eyes met his eyes, you knew you were staring at a saint. Yeah. That's what the amazing. That's really cool. That's why you got so emotional because you knew you were staring at a saint. Yeah. Uh, a hear, living saint. Yeah. Yeah. I heard another story that uh, somehow he used your chalice. Yes. So yes. okay, you were or you were a little bit older when you were ordained, right? I was a yes. little bit older than than yeah. many. Yep, forty one. Okay, so <laughs> how did this happen? Where you used your chalice because yeah. you were obviously ordained by then, right? Uh, Ashley was before that, so it was okay. our deac. I was a deacon, and, okay, and, and we had this agreement with the Vatican. I don't know where this tradition began. How long uh, before uh, uh, we were there that it began? But the American seminarians, the deacons, you know, we'd always get, if you got a chalice in Rome, you know, whether you bought one um, from a, a one of the, the, the many um, um, liturgical stores that are in Rome, or if you had one made by mm-hmm. an artisan, um, we, we'd have a night where they were all lined up, you know, because you're going to take them home with you. Sure. 
And then you could take them down to the Swiss guards. And the idea was that they would have, um, they'd take it up to the private chapel and the Pope would use it. Wow. I, they can't do that anymore, you know, for various reasons. But right. So I took mine down there on the weekend of May 11th, 12th, because it was my mom's birthday on May 11th. Oh, wow. And um, mine was handmade by um, two women, two women um, artisans and um, one of a kind, uh, a chalice. It had incorporated a, a few little diamonds that my father had um, as a telephone man that he had in these tie tacks for um, years of service. Mm-hmm. And my mother, a couple of rubies for her service to Avera. Oh, wow. Um, okay. St. Luke's. And um, so they were incorporated in a Celtic cross that's in the chalice. But So he used this chalice May 11th and 12th of uh, 2001. Two times even. Yeah. Wow. So it's on the bottom of it. I've got it written there. And I remember getting it back and it was all full of fingerprints. And <laughs> you like, could see the, you could see like the lip, you know, you could see all these. And I'm going, I'm not washing this. I'm not washing this. I'm not washing this. <laughs> but you had to but wash had to it, wash didn't it. you? Yeah, had to clean it. No, I assume but, you still use it. But it's a second class relic. Of course yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. I get it on a special occasion. Sure. Uh, the anniversary of my dad's, uh, my father's death, because it's in memory of him. Sure. Um, I do it on other very occasions of uh, Easter or Christmas. Right. Right. High solemnities. That makes sense. If you just joined us, uh, we are talking to Father James Morgan about JP2, who just had his feast day uh, a few days ago. So, um, is that all the stories? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more. That, <laughs> okay. that might crop One might up pop here in there. your head. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think are some of the most important things from his pontificate? Um, certainly his prolific writing. Yeah. I don't think anyone has written as much as um, St. Pope John Paul II has. Um, you know, what is it? Something like 14 encyclicals that he wrote mm-hmm. during his pontificate and some of the most defining encyclicals yeah. that we have um, in, in our Catholic teaching, in our Catholic faith. You know, there's just a few of them that I'll mention, like Redemptor yeah. Hominis, you know, it's on the redemption of humanity, mm-hmm. very well known. Um, Familiaris Consortio on, on the family, the Christian yep. family. Um, Veritati Splendor. Oh, yes. On the splendor of truth, you know, yeah. the truth of our existence. I've been hearing about that one a little bit more it's lately. A thick one, yeah. yeah. And it's very, very dense. Mm-hmm. To read that, you read a couple of pages at a time and then you stop. <laughs> It's, and then we, Take a we week read to them think again. about yeah. it, huh? <laughs> One of my favorite uh, favorites, uh, fetus at Lazio. Mm-hmm. You know this this um, um, the relationship between faith and reason. Oh yeah. So I really oh, love that document. I like that one. Yeah, I really love that document. It was really well written. Mm-hmm. Um, Evangelium Vitae. You know the Gospel of Life. I remember oh, yeah. reading that in the seminary, and um, how how well written that was, yeah. and that really. I mean, it, it, you know, the gift of life and how precious and mm-hmm. the dignity of life. And that really struck a chord with me reading it then yeah. in minor seminary when I yeah. was a pre-theologian. I think I've, I've used that one in a couple of stories for the bulletin. 16 yeah, books yeah. he's written. Um, Love and Responsibility, which mm-hmm. every priest knows that they have on their bookshelf for mm-hmm. marriage preparation if they need it. Um, gift and Mystery, I think about. Um, at Crossing the Threshold of Hope. Oh, yeah. I've heard is, of that one which is a book I remember reading at night in bed. Way, I mean, just when I, before I was even thinking of the priesthood at all and how, how that book moved me hmm. to, 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 do, to do something for the good of the church and for the good of God and maybe discern a vocation since, wow. you know, I was, not, I was single and working. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was a great book. Three plays too. I mean, he was oh a playwright. Oh my gosh, way I didn't back know that. But, yeah, three plays before, before he was even ordained a priest or right when he was ordained a priest hmm. and- um, he wrote these plays. The, the most notable one is one's called The Jeweler Shop. It's okay. about three married couples. It's like 
it's in three acts, but it's like three different vignettes. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of autobiograph- autobiographical because in the second vignette, it's about a, a married couple whose marriage is quite empty and things are not going oh. well. And so she's thinking about divorce. And so she goes to her parish priest because he's the one that took her and other young people on hiking trips in the mountains. Well, mm-hmm. that's what JP two did uh, when he sure. was a priest in Krakow yeah. and Poland. Yeah. He's known for that. That's right. So there's also theology of the body, which he yes. did not actually write the way I understand right. it. They're sermons. Correct. Right. Correct. They are a series of sermons given over, oh my gosh, was it like three years or mm-hmm. something or five years? Of it? And, and, and a series of sermons that were collected right. that he did, obviously calculated on purpose, mm-hmm. um, which was, which, they were then compiled. And then the book was called Theology of the Body yep. is what it was called. And what Theology of the Body is, it is an in-depth look of, uh, of, uh, on Christian anthropology. Mm-hmm. The, our understanding of Christian anthropology, meaning why did God create us? What did he create us for? Right. And I mean, I use that in marriage preparation. Oh, yeah. I always tell my marriage prep couples, here's my outline, my curriculum. It's like nine pages long. It's a little <laughs> bit of Christian anthropology mixed with a, bit, a little bit of theology of the body. Sure. So, and I think it's really important for our younger kids to uh, junior yeah, high, high school, absolutely. to be exposed to that because that really helps them understand who they are and what they're what they're supposed to do with themselves exactly, and the <laughs> as sacred, they move along. Yeah, the sacredness of the body, mm-hmm. the sacredness of sexuality. Yep. And if you understand from the beginning, you know, um, Genesis, and that's what, you know, basic, basically, JP2 took Genesis and just, and, and, and then the, the teachings on the sacrament from, from uh, the Gospels and just expounded upon yeah. them yeah. To, to a great, great depth. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so trying to decide where to go next. Uh, he had a great devotion to the Eucharist. He did, yeah. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I feel like yeah. that's really important right now, given some of the things that the USCCB is going to be working on um, with um, some further teachings on the Eucharist. Right, so right. it might be good to hear what he what his thoughts well, were. Well, you know, he was known to spend hours mm-hmm. in front of the Blessed Sacrament, mm-hmm. and not just sitting there. But um, and, and this goes way back to his seminarian days. Um, you remember, you know, he, he survived World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, that had to be very influential on his life. Huge. You know, yeah. he basically, his all of his seminarian years were underground. Right. His ordination was underground. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all done in I clandestine. imagine that, yeah. Yeah, in a clandestine manner. So, um, but, you know, he was known for lying prostrate on the floor in front of the tabernacle for mm-hmm. hours. There's many stories that go with this. Some cute ones about his visit to the United States, about how... Um, he went, to, I think it was a seminary in Dunwoody in New York and he was laying there and somebody wanted to go in and, 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 and you know, and because he had his next appointment and interrupted him and they said, no, don't even, don't even bother. Like, uh, you know, Bishop Jivitz, don't even bother going in there to do that. Just leave him alone. <laughs> and, um, I think somebody did and, um, they got no response or he said, I'll be on a little bit or whatever it was. And then, you know, an hour later he walks out <laughs> or when they hid the Eucharist from him and, um, you know, it wasn't in the, the main chapel. To keep chapel. him on schedule, I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they put in a little side chapel and he goes, I know that Jesus is here someplace. He's right there. And, you know, I mean, that's just mystical. Yeah. It's mystical. And he, yeah. so he had this mystical devotion to the Eucharist. And to watch him say Mass, the many times that I was able to, by the grace of God, to watch him say Mass, to be there and participate in Mass, um, and especially those times when I was up close, and the, the look on his face, 
when he would elevate the Holy Eucharist. And remember when I was there, he was already suffering from Parkinson oh, sure. to, uh, right. to uh, a high degree. Um, and he would lift the Eucharist with one hand mm-hmm. and he would hold it there. And you know, at that moment when he would gaze at Jesus and the Eucharist, it's something, again, mystical was happening, something right. between him and the Lord. And um, he was taken into another dimension yeah, at yeah. that point. You know, Father Jim Mason, I'll bring this up, had the, had the, had the great blessing of actually deaconing a mass for him. Oh, yes. So he might be that your next he might be interviewee for next year. About, yeah, for next year at this time when we celebrate this. <laughs> He's probably day. got some good stories. That yes, had to be a great yes. honor yeah. for him. What do you think? We've got about a minute and a half left or so. Why do you think people were so drawn to him? Because they were oh, absolutely yeah, drawn yeah. to him. Well, first of all, his charisma. Mm-hmm. You know, he had great charisma. Um, and he was personable, mm-hmm. you know, just like talking about what he did with young people and young adults mm-hmm. back in his days as a priest in Krakow um, and in Warsaw. Um, so it, 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 the charisma, his, his ability to draw people to him, especially young people and young adults. And this is why we have World Youth Day. Right. He started that. He, yep, so. he started that. And he saw the importance of, 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 of uh, starting that, uh, that movement. Um, so his charisma and the fact that he's so personable, um, but he told the truth. Yeah. And as we know, if you hear these reports, you know, why did World Youth Day become so famous? Mm-hmm. Because he told the truth mm-hmm. for those young people and they wanted to hear the truth. They and were hungry for do, it. They were hungry for it. And yeah. young people today still want to hear the yeah. truth. Yeah. Um, and I see that at the cathedral so many times. I mean, the young families, the young adults that I have who attend they want to hear the truth. They want yes. to know the truth of the faith and the truth of the church, you know, because it's all about getting to heaven. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. And so I, I think those three things that I can think of off the top of my head, mm-hmm. charisma and um, that he was personable, um, that he loved young people and he, he wanted to be with the people the, uh, and, and that, he, that he was not afraid to preach the truth. And I would, I would link that to his knowledge. Yeah. I mean, he was such yeah. a knowledgeable, wise man. You know, person, man, um, yeah. uh, a man, priest, um, um, a bishop, cardinal, pope. Mm-hmm. He had just a lot of wisdom. Yeah. And it, when you look at his writings and how dense they really are, many of them, he was a deep, deep thinker. Yeah. And as you said, you could kind of see the holiness on him. You just, yes. you just had this feeling this man's going to be a saint or you knew it just from seeing it. And how can you be such a deep thinker and yet still relate to people who yeah. are gregarious, yeah. you know, social? That's <laughs> a hard jig. thing to do because you do one or the other. <laughs> right. You know, um, right. I'm the social one, <laughs> the gregarious one. <laughs> you are. Not necessarily the deep thinker like JP too. Well, but, I don't know, you know if you're not God a deep willing. thinker. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so those components, I mean, those, those characteristics made mm-hmm. him who he was. Yeah. And so he, that still stands out for us today, I Absolutely. think, as a saint. Absolutely. Well, I would love to talk to you more about it, but our time is up. We have to leave some for Dr. Bergwald at the beginning Excellent. of the show. That's good. Thank you so much for coming yes. in and sharing your stories with us. I have a feeling there might be some more there that you might not be telling <laughs> us, but well, I know there's lots of stories. I would Father tell you about Morgan. the train ride back was very, very interesting. I'm oh, I bet you. it was. Oh my okay. gosh. We'll catch that another time. All right. All right. Thanks, Father Thanks, Renee. God bless you. All right. Uh, If you haven't found us on social media yet, you can find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to YouTube, look at this video so you can see Father Morgan's little jig that he did uh, to imitate Pope JP2 or Saint JP2. Uh, That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic News. (music) 